Welcome to this week's episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Osborne. And are you trying to find balance between work and family life? Learn why our guest, B. Newkeller, believes in harmony over balance and how this shift in perspective can revolutionize your approach to work, family, and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. And before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, the Think and Grow Rich Workshop, where neuroscience and philosophy converge. If you are tired of feeling stuck or unsure how to make your you know, vision a reality, this workshop is meticulously designed to guide you through the powerful principles of Napoleon Hill's classic book, Think and Grow Rich. With a blend of neuroscience and NLP with timeless wisdom, you'll learn how to implement these life-changing principles successfully. So join the hundreds of others and kickstart your journey of growth. And for our listeners, use the code PODCAST50 for a 50% discount. And thank you to the Think Very Rich Workshop for sponsoring this episode. Well, I am thrilled to have Binu join us on this journey of discovery and transformation. Binu is a testament to the power of resilience, personal growth, and the impact that one's journey can have on the lives of many, many others. She is a woman who faced darkness, walked through it, and emerged as a beacon of hope for many. She's a multi-time best-selling author with the book Bulletproof, Unleash Your Hero Inside Your Kid and Numb. She's been featured on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, you name it, she's been on it. And as a certified master coach, certified behavior consultant, and licensed by Dr. Amon himself as a brain trainer and licensed as a neuroencoding specialist, Vinu has reshaped the perception of parenting to take away the struggles and bring back the joy. She embodies the phrase, our scars make us who we are. So thinking big nation, I am thrilled to introduce our guest, Vinu Keller, to the podcast. It is a pleasure to be here with you, Sean, and to be with all your listeners. And so I we've been able to kind of meet, I'd say over the past uh, maybe year and a half, two years, uh, through various people. One of it is through you know the Neuroencoding Institute and the work that you do with them. Uh, we were both able to be on that Further Faster Challenge as speakers, which was amazing. You did fantastic on that. Yeah. And then also got to see you obviously on the, you know, at the conference. And then we both just helped modded the <laughs> that Matthew McConaughey thing. <laughs> now that was something I have never witnessed anything quite like that before. That was a wow. It was. It was it was very different, you know, um being in the Tony Robbins realm as well and um having the pleasure of being a trainer for him, being in those rooms, I felt like I was just at another event. Like seeing the different comments, it was going so fast. It was like, "Wow, slow down." I you know, cuz he has green lights, right? And I was like, "Okay, we need a yellow light right now. Like we need something to slow <laughs> down the chat." But yeah, that was a fantastic. <laughs> that was a good event, but uh yeah, so it's been great getting to know you, you know, over the past year and a half and to see the, the work that you do, uh, which to me is extremely, extremely important. And I think it's probably needed more now than 
ever before. You know, parenting is such a hard thing and it is such a, it's a skill that we're not taught and society is not helping us out at all uh, in doing that. But again, thank you for being here. Now, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, you know, starting up about how you got into, you know, being a parent coach and why you chose that and why you actually started doing it kind of as a living as a, you know, as your company. Yeah. So, um, you know, I always say it's my past life because it seems so many years ago, like lifetimes ago when I first got into mental health, you know, it was at a young age, I was bullied. I felt ostracized. I felt alone. I was suicidal from the time I was 13 to 34. And I didn't really have any aspirations or, you know, purpose. I didn't see my purpose in life and I was just getting through. And I married very young at 18. There was like a Marine who was very good looking and he said he loved me and we got married and it was a great story. I had two amazing children with him who are now 29 and almost 25 and we ended up divorcing and I was a single mom. And even though I was a single mom, I still had these suicidal thoughts. I was just waiting for my youngest at the time to graduate in 2016 to end my life because I had this notion that they only needed me until they're 18 and they didn't need me anymore. And you have adult kids too. So you know that that is far from the truth. (laughs) They probably need us more now as adults than they did as a kid, right? So You know, just being on this journey, um, working for mental health, I never dreamed of being an entrepreneur. I, there was nothing in me that says I'm going to own my own business because in my mindset, it was too hard to do. You needed money to make money. There was a lot of cliches that I lived by. So I never even thought that was even a possibility to have my own company. However, I was going through a lot of the Tony Robbins, uh, platform, UPW to be precise. And it shifted my life. You know, in those four days, I realized that I was the storyteller and I got to write whatever story I wanted to about my life. I could end the book that I've been living and start a new book, or I can continue that book. And I was like, wow. So nothing has a meaning, but the meaning you give it. And what meaning have I been giving my life that I was depressed, that I was suicidal, that I'm not a good mom, that I don't deserve to be here. That was the story I was living and I was continuing to write until that day. And when I left that event, I started a new book saying that I'm going to live like suicide was off the table. There was no more suicidal tendencies. It was no matter what was going to happen in my life, I was going to face it full on. But here's what really scared me is I didn't know how to live. I mean, I was living to die. And now all of a sudden I, I made this like mental contract with myself that I'm going to live. And now that was the scariest thing because I didn't know how I was going to live. Um, a year later, I got fired from my director position at the mental health facility that I was the director of. I got us nationally accredited. I did all this work. I scaled his business, his company. And instead of being afraid, I got creative and I started my own company and it was actually called Aspirations. And I was working with children with developmental disabilities. So I would go into homes and I had been doing this already working for other companies. And, but now I had my own company and I got to see the different dynamics of these families with kids with special needs. And sometimes the special needs were just behavioral issues, but I also worked, you know, 20 years with kids on the autism spectrum, kids that um, had down syndrome, spinal bifida, 
uh, cerebral palsy. And regardless of the special needs, they were still children and there were still cultures that I was going into these homes. And I was still watching the way parents were parenting. Some parents were very giving and whatever they want, kind of put band-aids over the behaviors. So they didn't see the behaviors. And then you had other parents that just ignored the behaviors. And I was there to teach parents how to deal with the behaviors, to help their kids grow through this, not grow around it. And my friend, Lauren Lahav, she says, you have to clean up your own backyards before you can go clean up someone else's. So I was definitely in this realm of cleaning up my own backyard. And I had a coach and my coach just was not great for me. I felt I was rushed on my calls. Every time I'd started to just have this like outpour of release, they were telling me to, you know, take a breath and we're going to table this for another conversation. I was like, in two weeks, I'm going to be done with this. Like I need, I need to get this down. Like give me some strategies that I need to do. And I think it was after that, I decided that one day I'm going to be a coach because I realized that coaching wasn't there just to give someone comfort and to help someone deal with their feelings. It was to help them get to see what the next point in their life is and how to get to that point in their life. It was like literally giving you a target and comforting through a nurturing way, yet through questions to help someone realize I can have what I want and I just need to be strategic about it. And if I have the right questions, I definitely can figure out what I need to do in my life. And after I cleaned up my backyard, I got certified as a coach and I started coaching and I really created the niche around kids being bullied because that's what I thought my trajectory was. I thought that's why I lived through the bullying. I lived through the self-harming. I lived through the suicidal thoughts. And I said, well, maybe, you know, I used to ask God, why me? And now I feel like God said, why not you? You needed, we needed someone to go through this to understand where kids are at today. and. You know, Sean, it was in that moment, I was at a school, I was doing a tour in Hawaii, a speaking tour in Hawaii, and there was a kid that came up to me after my talk, and she was crying, and she says, today was my day, and I looked at her, and I'm like, what do you mean today was your day, and she said, and she was really sobbing, I got down on my knees, so I was at her level, and she says, today was the day I was going to take my life, and I don't know why I was supposed to hear you, but I heard you, she says, I live your life. And I see what you're doing. I just got chills. I see what you're doing. And I know this can be my life too. And now I want to live. And she said, but when I go home, I have like 10 siblings and cousins that live with us in our home. And no one sees me. No one hears me. And it was in that moment, I got to get into the homes. I got to help these parents because what I'm doing is exact opposite of what I wanted to do. I was putting a Band-Aid over it again. I wasn't getting to the cause, you know? And when I realized that, that's when my whole life just changed. I went from, how do I help these kids not be bullied? How do I help the bullies realize that they really just want significance and certainty and some type of connection to how do I get into these homes to help these parents see their children, hear their children? create an open, safe, and trusting space with their children. So like most entrepreneurs, I got really focused on my business. And when you focus on your business, because 
your intention is to give your kids a good life. Your intention is to make good money. Your intention as an entrepreneur is to work on your terms, your hours. (laughs) I found myself working a lot more hours, a lot less time with my kids to build my company now. And, you know, for all your listeners out there that are entrepreneurs, I'm sure you resonate with what I'm saying a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. It's like when I, I remember... So one of my biggest regrets from starting my first company, you know, this is back in, I, I guess, the 90s when my, when my kids were early teens, I did the same thing. I, I spent way too much time on my company and not enough time with the kids. And I, I, when you look back in life and you have regrets, that's, that's one of the big ones mm. that I have. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's like, you, and you don't see it when you're in it. it it's hard to right. see it when you're in it because you're too focused on trying to generate that business or trying to, you know, trying to start that business. But we have to be able to have balance. Yes. And, you know, I like to call it harmonizing because when we're seeking that balance, like people say work-life balance. And to me, that is such an oxymoron because work is part of my life. And if I'm always trying to balance it, I feel like I'm setting myself up for failure. So I try to harmonize it. And it wasn't until probably a year ago, my husband and I, we have a relationship coach and we were talking and he said, I have to schedule time with my wife. I have to get on her calendar. And I was like, oh, that felt horrible. That felt horrible that my husband felt the only way he got time with me was if he scheduled it on my calendar. And in that moment, I knew I had to change something. And so I now make time like we go, you know, people think, oh, well, how do you have alone time? We have to go on dates. Well, our dates are when our kids are in school because I have six kids now um, from 29 to almost 11 year old twins. And then I have a granddaughter who's almost six. And the most important thing to me is my family. And I want the lifestyle that we live. And what fuels me up is to help these families to create this open, safe, and trusting space with their children so their children can be seen and heard. Because my mission, Sean, is to give kids a childhood they won't have to heal from. And it starts with us parents. It does. It's an, you know, and here's the deal. And I I see it a lot because most of my clients happen to be entrepreneurs. And the kids are missing their parents. The kids are missing the time with their parents because they, the parents are so busy making this living to take them on these great vacations and stuff. But you know what? The kids want the great vacations, but they rather have you with them at night. They rather have you at their baseball games. They rather have you coming to their school to watch their performance. That's what these kids really want. You know, it's we're working for what? We're working to give our kids a good life. But when we're missing out on our kids' life, what are we really working for? Yeah. And you brought up a few very big things in there uh, when you were talking that I wanted to kind of go back and touch base on. One is you've talked several times about having a coach. Yes. And there's a lot of people that are listening right now that are on with us right now that are coaches. That's part of what they do. That's And they don't have coaches. Oh. You cannot be a coach. Let me just tell you this. If you're looking for a coach and they don't have a coach themselves, don't go with them. Right. <laughs> I mean, you have to, and, and that's one of those things. It's like you, and people think, well, you're a coach. Shouldn't you already know these things? Why do you need, no, we, we can't see our own shit just like everybody else. It's like, we're, 
<laughs> so we have to have coaches as well. So I loved how you said that. And it's like, you have relationship coaches, you have coaches that you do now. And then one of the things that you brought up, and I think one, what, it's one of the biggest things for entrepreneurs is you said you had used creativity. You were in that spot and you said, okay, I had to be creative and resourceful to start my company and do that. And I think that's, I think everybody listening right now has a gift for the world whether it's through the shit that you've been through and you've weathered the storm or whatever it is, but learning to teach or learning to share your gift to the world is what it's all about. And whether, you know, again, both of us, we went through shit when we were young and, and that's what, and that's what drives us. And, and you, and then you talked about the girl in Hawaii. It's like, that's what it's all about. I could go an entire career and that one comment, I mean, that's what it's about. It, it really is. And to see that my journey wasn't for nothing, you know, all of our journeys aren't for anything. It's, it's, we have a purpose on this earth and it's finding what that purpose is. And I did not realize that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. If you would have told me that years ago. Now I will say at 13, I said, I want to be a psychologist because all my, the few friends that I had, they're like, you're so easy to talk to. You give such great advice. And I really thought that's what being a psychologist was all about. <laughs> and yet, while I was sitting here solving everybody else's problems, I was dying inside. You know, I was cutting, I was suicidal. The only person that knew this was my very best friend. And, you know, we're still best friends 45 years later. And, you know, <sighs> Again, we have blind spots and we don't even know our own stuff. You know, I have, I have two coaches. I have a coach that works with me, you know, to help me understand the creator side of me, my, my intuition side of me to develop, because I feel like that has really taken my coaching to another level is letting go of thinking I need to know and allowing creator or genius to come through me. And coach, like half the time I write things down because I don't even know why I'm saying it. It's just kind of flowing through me and it's the right thing at the right time for that client. And then I have my relationship coach, which, you know, I, I've had life coaches that help me personally to be a better person. I've had business coaches to build my business. And I remember sitting there, I was at Tony Robbins date with destiny a few years ago. I was a trainer at that event and Sage was talking about how we get into these relationships with our partners and all of a sudden we're putting sticky notes on them. Like you didn't take out the trash. You were supposed to do this. You didn't finish doing the laundry. You left the vacuum cleaner out. Next thing you know, you can't even see your partner anymore because all you see is sticky notes. I've and got like three feet thick of sticky notes on me. Right. I think my husband does too, Sean. You're not alone. I think I just, I could start more. a, I could start a bonfire right now with all the <laughs> sticky notes that I have. I think I just put five more sticky notes on my husband this morning, actually. <laughs> so she says, and then we wonder why we can't see the love that we had with that person. She's like, you got to start removing these sticky notes and really see that person's soul, the person that you fell in love with. And I was like, and I started to cry. And I looked over to my right and there was my coach from years ago and I hadn't been coaching with her and she's a relationship coach. And it, I had this epiphany in that moment is that, I get coaching on every area of my life, except for the one thing that's the most important to me. And that's my relationship with my husband. So in that moment, I walked over to her little cubicle and I said, I'm hiring you. And she says, what? I said, I'm hiring you. I need you to send me an agreement. 
and how much it is. And I don't care what it is. I'm hiring you. My husband and I need you. I need to put more focus on my relationship that I'm putting on everything else because I was always looking for that balance. You know, I was like always wondering like, why am I out of balance? Why am I out of balance? Because I put so much focus. So as soon as I put so much focus on my relationship, what wasn't getting my focus was now my, my business. And then my business started to suffer. And all of a sudden I realized, how do I harmonize this? How do I make it where I feel I'm setting myself up to win in every area of my life? And that's what harmony is to me. It's not just paying attention to business. Oh, and then now I got to pay attention to relationship. Every day, the first thing I do is I remember self-care. I have a morning routine. I am very um, conscious about making sure I do three to four days at the gym that I've signed up for. You know, that's all about me. And people are like, oh, you must love it. I said, I hate it. I hate the gym, but I love me. I love me. I love me enough to go to the gym on the days that I can go. Um, And then I look at what's my morning like. And this is the minute I wake up at 6, 6.30 in the morning. And I was like, oh, I have two hours today. Hey, honey, do you want me to drop the kids off with school with you when you go out to breakfast? Because then it's all about me and him. And then I look at my work schedule. What do I have to do today? And then I do my work schedule. And then I communicate with my husband. Honey, this is what can support me today. I have clients until 8 p.m. today. I have my TV show on Monday nights and Thursday nights. So I'm, done, I'm out of commission until 9 o'clock. Um, the kids have this, this, and this, what would really support me is if you can take care of it. He's like, no problem. I got it for you, sweetheart. What would you like for dinner? He's like bringing me dinner. This is what I call harmonization. Is that even a word harmonization? I don't know if it's not. It is now. Okay. It is today. It's we, we harmonize our life together. So I'm able to work and feel proud of the work that I do feel really charged up by the work that I do. I get to have time with the love of my life to let him know that he is important to me. I get time with my children. I make sure my children's needs are being met, whether through me or my husband, and I do my self-care. That is harmony. That is harmony to me. There is no balance. I don't, I don't, I don't seek balance anymore because the more I was seeking balance, the more I was unbalanced. And I like what you, I like how you say harmonize. And so here's the, I think there is, it's to me, it's not always equal. So in other words, I think there's times to plant and times to harvest. 100%. And so there's, you know, there, I, I know as an entrepreneur, there's going to be times where my head's going to have to be down for two months. It's like, it's just, that's as entrepreneurs and starting, that's just what we have to do. We, I mean, there, there's times that we just have to get down and get, you know, get a, a book chapter out or get something out, get a workshop out. But we have to be able to, what you say is harmonize and take the time when it's, when it's harvest time to harvest, to take that time with the family, to take that because it can't always just be heads down. Uh, and again, that's what I did. And it's just, it, it doesn't work and, and, and you will regret it. You do. And and I hear you like right now, me and my, my coach, cause she's a relationship coach. We're actually creating an event for family dynamics. So we're going to do a, a two and a half day event where we are going to help partners become stronger and parenting become better. Like that's our outcome. And so it's taking a lot of time because I've never planned my own event before. So I'm really excited. And at the same time, like you said, my head's got to be down. I got to be focused. But what I have realized, because I don't want to have regrets anymore, is that my husband is my number one supporter. And all I have to do is let him know I need this chunk of time 
and I know you need time with me. And my husband, he, he works for Tony. So he's constantly gone. I, you know, I always say Tony gets to see my husband more than I do. It's, it's just a joke, but you know, cause he's gone one, one to two weeks out of the month to go support the events in Florida. And so we just look at all of it. And he, the one thing we always ask each other is what do we, what do each of us need and how could each of us support each other? And, and I don't ignore the kids, but the one thing I realize is if I have a good foundation with my husband, then my kids are going to be okay. Cause one of us is going to be there to give them the love and the support and the nurturing that they need. So they too feel seen and heard. Yeah. And my husband and I, we, we call it tag teaming. We tag team all the time. So our kids never feel they don't have a parent. You know, if we, we, one of the things we do is try to make both like all their games together. That's not, we're not able to, we got six kids playing. Even my adult kids are playing sports. So it's like trying to get to their sports, trying to get the kids sports. You know, um, we're on our way to Charlotte today because his daughter has a game tomorrow and, you know, in volleyball. So we do the best that we can and we try to do it together. And when we can't be together, we ask each other, how can we support you through this time that you're going to be doing? So it's, it's really about chunking time, you know, and here's the other thing. And for your listeners, stop saying you don't have enough time. Just stop. That was probably the biggest angst in my career as an entrepreneur saying, I don't have enough time. I have as much time as every other person does on this world. It's the most precious resource we have is time. I do have enough time. It's where do I choose to put my time? You know, and here's what I tell my entrepreneur clients. If you ended up in the hospital tomorrow, God forbid, is your life going to stop? Is your clients going to be the one at your bedside or is your partner, is your kids? Life is not going to stop. So when you say, oh, I got to do it, I got it. You don't got to do anything. Turn your have to's and your got to's to get to's. And I have so much time now, Sean. It is crazy how much time I have in my life. Like sometimes I was like, wow, I have like two hours. What do I want to do with these two hours? What is going to be the best use of my two hours of time right now? And sometimes it's going downstairs, getting away from my computer, turning on the TV, sitting there eating lunch outside of my computer. Yeah. I've never been able to do that before. Yeah. And we have to be able to do that. Now, getting, I want to get back to kind of some of what you actually do. Be, besides the entrepreneur, I mean, you're a fantastic entrepreneur, obviously, but I, I, I'm really interested to get your opinion on, on several things. You know, you've talked about from a coaching, from a parenting coaching standpoint, you know, you've talked about going into houses and working with families, the kids and the parents. And I just want you to be 100% honest with me. When you say that, I automatically think back to like those TV shows, The Dog Whisperer, where he goes in the house. They're not coaching the dog. They're teaching the, <laughs> they're teaching the parent. They're, they're teaching the family. Here's how you work with the dog. It's not about the dog. It's about the environment. It's about the family. So when you go into coach families and their kids, is it not a lot of the same where you're actually coaching the parents and not the kids? It's 100%. I'm coaching the parents every single time. So my program that you're referring to is called the in-home turnaround. 
because I literally move in your home for four days and people will say, oh, it's like the super nanny. It's not like the super nanny because the super nanny would come to your home for a few hours with the TV rolling. She would go to her five-star hotel, have a five-star meal, and then come back the next day and ask you how things are. I don't leave your house. I live with you, whether that's in your guest bedroom, whether that's on your couch. I live with you for four days. I get to see the things that you don't want me to see. I get to hear the comments down the halls. I get to see your kid's reaction when you say it's time for dinner five times and they're not showing up and you're getting frustrated because that is my job to come and look and observe and see why it's not working. When you're yelling at your kid to come to the table, come to the table, and they're not listening to you, you've already told their brain five times they don't have to listen to you until they see your face. You've trained the brain that way. Because all of a sudden, after five times I don't listen to you, you're walking up to their room and you're like, it is dinner time. They're like, oh, okay. And they're coming down to dinner with you. So their brain knows they get five yells before they have to actually respond. So when I come there, I teach the parents, what is your outcome? They say, I want my child to come to the table the first time I tell them. I said, great. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, dinner's ready. We are going to, depending on how old you are, some of these kids have phones. So you're either going to call them on the phone. Or we're going to walk to their room and we're going to say, it is dinner time. Let's go. And you're not going to do anything. You're going to give them three to five seconds to respond. If they don't, you're going to go kindly take their little headphones off their head. You're going to kindly take their iPad or whatever and put it on the, you know, I call this hand over hand support. And you're not going to say anything. And they're going to look at you like you have five different heads because we're going to shock the behavior. Because now we're switching. It's kind of like what we, we learn in neuroencoding, right? We're going to default the behavior to a positive response versus going, always going back to that negative. And it works. I'm telling you guys, this works. My, four, my now almost 25-year-old, when he was 14, Xbox, he just got a new Xbox and he was playing on his Xbox. And I said, you need to go get in the shower. You stink. Like, please don't be on my couch. You stink. You just got back from practice. You stink. Please go take a shower. He's like, okay, I will. I will. I will. And I didn't say anything else. I went, I took the Xbox controller out of his hand. I started taking him to the bathroom and I started taking off his shirt. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, I asked you one time to get in the shower. And he says, I was going to. And I said, you're absolutely right. You're going to, as of right now, get in that shower. Sean. I never, ever, ever had to ask my kid more than one time to get in the shower again because I took away the warnings that I used to give him because I used to be that parent, get in the shower, get in the shower. I told you to get in the shower. 20 minutes later, I'm still asking him to get in the shower. I shifted it in just that moment because my behavior matched what I was asking him. So this is the stuff that I do. I go into houses and I change it around in four days. But then to make sure it's sustainable, I coach families for six months. And then I'll come back again within those six months just to kind of do a check-in to see where are we at? Where are we at? What, how, how are things changing? And then we level up, right? Like there's always another level. So what's the next level going on? And I do these in-home turnarounds for people that have kids that are just toddlers because people say they're like the terrible twos. You know, I just say it's the curiosity too. Is actually kids are just really curious at age two. And you got some kids that are more curious than others. And so sometimes I work with them. Sometimes I work with kids that are like, you know, preteens. And then all of a sudden I'm working with kids that are teens. So I do the whole gamut. But 
it's never too late. It's never too late. And my whole program, you know, I have a TV show called Redefine Parenting. It's also a podcast because to me, it's helping one family at a time. And, you know, right now I have 1.25 million listeners a week um, for my TV show all over the world. So that means every week I get to impact these lives to give them different skill sets and different opportunities and bring different, you know, experts and professionals on to help parents redefine the way we're parenting. Because here's the key. We are trying to raise our kids the way we were raised. I'm a Gen X kid. To raise my millennial kids the way I was raised did not work at all. (laughs) At all. To raise my Gen Z kids the way I was raised is definitely not going to work because now we have everything is digitalized. You know, you can write a book now on chat GPT in your own words. It's crazy, right? Like everything is AI now. Um, But yet I'm going to raise them the way I was raised. We had dial up phones. (laughs) We had a TV where you had to actually get up off your butt and go turn it on and off. I remember when we first had a remote control, we were so excited. We didn't have to get off the couch. We have created a world where kids can be lazy and it's okay now. I think that is a big thing right there is they're able to, kids are able to be lazy and still get stuff done with the, with technology. Sean, let me ask you a question. When you were in school and you had vocabulary, how did you look up definitions? We had to go to a dictionary. Yeah, we had dictionaries. We had, yeah. We probably hated it. I know I hated it because it took so long to look up the words. I mean, I had to get like a ruler because the words were so small to write the definition out. Now kids just go to Google and they copy and paste it. And the teachers don't even want handwriting anymore. They want everything typed out. So of course they're using Google. They're not typing it out. They're copying and pasting it. Of course. Yep. You know, and, and they're passing through. And that's why, again, I feel like our education system is now lacking because the fact that I had to look up the word showed me a couple of things about, about alphabetizing, you know, the way that the words come in order, um, the fact that I had to look it up and then I had to write it out and then I had to read it. There's three touch points, yep. you know, to my brain to really Multimodal. know. Exactly. They don't have that. My, I remember, you know, my son who's 29 at 18, he had to sign something. I'm like, I need your signature. And he started printing. I said, Cameron, what is this? He's like, I'm signing it. I'm like, that is not a signature. He's like, can you show me how to write it in handwriting? I was dumbfounded. So to think that I'm going to raise kids now the way I was raised, because after third grade, we weren't allowed to print anymore. We had to write everything in cursive. In handwriting, and now it's called script. <laughs> handwriting is <laughs> called script. You know, it's it's just amazing. So here's what I have to tell people: we have to pay attention to the generational gap. We have to give our kids what they need, because, and we have to learn what they need. They don't need what we needed. They don't need a dictionary. They do not need a dictionary. Yep. They need you to take time with them. They need you to spend time with them. They need you, you know, with COVID, I really thought my business was going to tank. If you can't afford to put food on your table, 
how are you going to afford to pay a coach? And I doubled my business that year. And here's why. Parents now had to be with their kids. Parents now got to see things they never saw before that only the school saw. And they had to come to terms. Oh my gosh. Kids stopped learning how to communicate. Kids don't know how to socialize. Kids' anxiety went through the roof when they had to go back to school. And then they had them all masked up. You know, and it it really, I hate the word traumatized, but it did. It traumatized a generation of our kids. Yeah. And so my my business is thriving, I will say, because I help kids learn how to communicate again. Because I'm going to tell you, here's what I have found out. Kids are not suicidal because they don't feel love from their parents. They're not suicidal because they don't have a friend that cares about them. They're suicidal because they don't have a tribe. They don't know where they belong in this world. And here's one of the deficits that were, I don't even know if it's a deficit, but one of the biggest fears as a parent, sending my kid to school. Yesterday, I got a text message at my kid. My kids go to a private school um, saying that there's a soft lockdown. What the hell is a soft lockdown? Why are we doing lockdowns anyway, right? Because this is the world we live in. Yeah. And I told my husband, I said, did you get the text message? He's like, what? He's like, apparently there's a soft lockdown. He's like, what the hell? I'm going to school. I'm like, you can't go to the school because that's what every parent wants to do. They want to rescue their kids. It was someone in the neighborhood, the, the Jacksonville Police Department had called the school and said that there was some disturbance going on in the area. They did not go into detail, which... They don't need to go into detail because it would probably just create panic in us. And they said, so right now the school's on soft lockdown, which means that your kids can, will not be going outside. No one will be coming in or out of the school. The school's fully locked. Like we already So it have, is a lockdown. Like, yeah. yeah. What, so what's the difference between a lockdown and a soft lockdown? Uh, yeah. Right? Because <laughs> we, we, we weren't going there. That was for sure. And then we got, you know, an hour later that the situation has been handled and the kids are no longer on lockdown, whatever. Um why? Why are we in this world? Like it brings tears to my eyes that we are at a point where we um, feel that we can't even send our kids to school. I mean, I think as my mom, because we were latchkey kids um, in the 80s, my brother and I, I think my mom had saving grace knowing we were at school and we were safe. We don't have that anymore. No. And that's, as a grandparent, that's probably one of the biggest things. And I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on this, kind of what we're talking about. But you, know, you hear about all these school shootings and all these things going on. It's like, I seriously looked online and I'm probably going to buy a bulletproof backpack for my granddaughter. That is the, if someone would have told me that when I was a kid, I would have, what the hell would I want to go and get a bulletproof backpack for? But it's like, you don't know. So how to, so for parents that are listening, how do we deal with the the fear or the anxiety? Because this, this shit's happening. I mean, it's not, you know, made, you know, it's not makeup. It's, it's actually happening. And how do we deal with that as parents or grandparents? It's the same way we dealt with when, when car shootings and carjackings became big in the late nineties and well, like two thousands. Do you guys remember that when all of a sudden there were school shooting, uh, not school shootings, sorry, car shootings, carjackings, what do we do? Not get in a car anymore? No, we just took precaution. We, you know, we were, we got our sensory acuity got heightened, right? We, we know what's in our environment, you know, um, 
women are now walking with keys between their, their, their fingers, right? So anybody that comes up and grabs them, they can stab them. Like we, we learned how to protect ourselves because to think that the world is going to adapt to us, we're going to lose. We have to adapt to the world. And so one of the things that I tell my kids, you know, if something happens, number one, know that I love you. We love you. And that's it. Like you need to know every day that we love you. Um, Number two, that you play dead. (laughs) Like, you know, and it's sad, but I need to know that my kids are going to be safe. And I'm like you, Sean, I'm, I'm looking into getting bulletproof backpacks. And if that's the one thing that I can do for my kids to have some type of safety, my husband and I, we went and got our concealed weapons because in North Carolina, we can have concealed carry. So we, we got our, you know, our license to conceal carry. Um, my husband takes me to learn how to shoot. Um, you know, we just have to take precaution and we need to let our kids know that this is such a minute thing also. Like if we make it, you know, one of our, um, our friends and mentors, Joseph McClendon says that what we put our intention and attention on grows. So if we're going to put our intention and attention on how they're unsafe and, and how this could happen to them, we're going to create the anxiety in them. But if we let them know that, look, you're protected, you know what to do. This is a very minute thing and yet you need to be prepared for it. I mean, as a child, every month we went on fire drills at our school. Every month we had a fire drill. Yeah. Every month we had earthquake drills because I was born and raised in California. So we had earthquake drills. The likelihood of an earthquake happening was more so than a fire. And we still had drills every month. And we never, I never had a fire at our school. But yet from kindergarten until high school, we always had a fire drill. So. Were we afraid to go to school because there could be a fire? No, we just knew what we had to do to protect ourselves if there was a fire. We learned how to stop, drop, and roll. We had the fire people come and talk to us. We had an assembly once a year. If you got on fire to stop, drop, and roll, I still remember that. I've never had to stop, drop, and roll, by the way. (laughs) I've never been a part of a fire except for on fire team. (laughs) And here's the deal is that if we make it a bigger deal than it is, then we're going to create the anxiety in our kids. If we let them know that you are protected, you are safe, and we're taking these extra precautions so you know you are safe. I want you to live the best life you can live without staying in fear. Because let's say fear and comparisons are the two things that steal our joy in life. It steals our fear, steals our life. You know, my husband has in our garage, fear is a liar. Like it's written on a big whiteboard that all of us see every day when we walk through the garage. Fear is a liar. You know, fear is a caution sign to say, take note of your environment. Take note to what's happening. Fear is not a stop sign. And that is what we need to teach our kids. Kids fear going to school because of being bullied. Kids fear going to school because they're going to get shot at. Kids fear, you know, taking their test. Does that mean they're not going to take tests anymore? No, we're going to help them to be prepared. So what I would tell our your listeners is just get your kids prepared. Being prepared, you can take on everything. It's when you're unprepared is when you should fear. Yeah. Well, that was fantastic. Thank you. I mean, that is 
again, that's probably one of my biggest worries with, uh, with my granddaughter is, you know, just the environment that, that the kids are in now. And, and I'm definitely going to take your advice on that. So thank you. Thank you for, and again, thank you for being on and, and talking with our listeners about both parenting, which we all, which we all need and, and entrepreneurship as well. So where's the best place that people, you know, the listeners right now can go and find you? I've made myself very accessible because again, I'm on a mission to give kids a childhood they won't have to heal from. So under all social media, it's just Venu Inspires, V-E-E-N-U Inspires. And my website is also Venu Inspires. And for your listeners, if they go to Venu Inspires slash ebook, they can download my free ebook that's called Teach Your Children That They're Enough. Well, I can't thank you enough, Binu, for being here today and sharing your inspirational journey with us. You know, your story of transformation and your work as a coach are truly making a difference in the world. And you've given us a lot to think about uh, and to go from. It's a pleasure, Sean. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this journey today. I hope Binu's story has inspired you as much as it has inspired me. And remember, we all have the power to transform and make a difference. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It really helps us bring these inspiring stories to more people and see you on the next episode. And remember to always think big.